0: Hmm. Recorded live. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Genesis Science Fiction Radio Show, a service of the Black Science Fiction Society dot com website. I'm your host for tonight, William Hayashi, and uh let's see, it's June 22nd, where I am. I'm not sure about your time zone. Um, and I don't know if you picked this up as a podcast or you're listening live. If you're listening live, then you know what it is. Um Tonight's special guest is Beverly Tool. She's the creator and inventor of some, you know, fabulous, uh, I would call it uh, intellectual property, but that's a legal term. And uh, for those of you who care, here in Chicago, it got cold today. It's like 60 degrees. I actually have a bathrobe on right now because I don't want to close all my windows. Anyway, Beverly, how are you tonight? I'm doing all right. And you? Just all right. I'm I'm well. Um, and where are you coming to us from? Where do you live? Alabama. What part? Birmingham. Okay. And and like, is are you a transplant? Did you grow up there? What's uh, what's what's your story for the you know where you're living now?
1: Oh, I was born and raised here.
0: Uh, and and well, I'm gonna. Did you go away for college or anything? You've been there the whole time.
1: Uh, I did go out of state for college. I spent a year in Atlanta and then I went on up to Dover, New Jersey. Well,
0: that must have been quite a difference.
1: uh, Oh, it was very different. (laughs) Uh, I I was not ready for the winters, but, uh, I, I actually enjoyed it up there. It's just a little overpriced. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, I I had a different experience, but I mean, it was similar, but different. You know, I grew up in Chicago and then I went to undergrad in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And, and that was like quite the culture shock for me. Plus, you know, for me, that was really a stupid move to make because Green Bay is like, back then it was cold as hell, had a lot of snow. Um, so and and plus the culture shock you know because oh, green bay you know the let's see black folks were tolerated back then and racial incidents were directly proportional to how well the green bay packers were doing as a football team Eww. so if they were if they were doing well everything was cool they left us alone but if the packers were not doing well because they were the most visible black folks up there then you know it could get kind of funky but you know i i i could have gone to school in lots different you know lots worse places um and and eventually i took over the whole town anyway so that worked out pretty well for me um well no i became like i became a disc jockey i was on the radio and uh and i was the 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 jock at the um, the hottest club in the area and that's that's almost like getting diplomatic immunity i mean i didn't even get oh, a parking wow. ticket. Yeah, so it was kind of oh. cool. Um, anyway, um, I guess the the big thing that, that I, have, you know, I did my little bit of research on you and, you know, I, I see the, the cartoon creative universe you, you put together. And, and my first question always, you know, when I see something like that is, is this something that was like a lifetime in the making? Did you come by it later in life? Like for me, writing was late. I didn't start mm-hmm. writing anything creative till like 2001, and you know I was born in the 50s, so that's that's like a late term kind of career change for me. Most authors, or excuse me, most uh, I guess I guess most cartoonists that I talk to say, "Well, I picked up a crayon when I was like three years old, and I never put one down." How, how was it for you? I mean, is this was this a an idea come lately or or had you always been into that kind of artistic endeavor?
1: I think I fall into that category of drawing since childhood. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So definitely I still have, I carry a lot of the drawings I did in elementary school. So oh, uh, cool. it, it's been around for a while.
0: <laughs> well, you know why that's so cool to me? Because eventually one of these days there's the possibility, like let's say you, you, you accrue a huge, huge body of work
2: to have
0: examples dating back that far. Stop and think, you know, that, that's like a coffee table book for you.
3: Mm-hmm. You know, if you ever
0: want to do a compendium of who you are, how you got where you are, and all of the things that, that that you know, all of the stages that you went through. Um, I have to ask, what you know, when you were that young, or at least when you were coming up early, who were like the influences for you? I mean, what what kinds of things? I mean, a lot of people talk about cartoons on TV, a lot of people talk about comic books. Um what what was kind of like the prime motivator for you?
1: The very first one was uh Jim Davis or Garfield. Uh, and then shortly after that, I started uh, reading the Sunday strip my mom would get the okay. paper, and I would sit on the floor and wait for it to reach a certain point. Then she'd finally hand me that section of the paper because all I wanted <laughs> were the, uh, <laughs> all I wanted was the comics. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, the Heathcliff, uh, uh, Garfield, um, Dennis Menace, um, the Sunday strips were a huge influence when I was really small. And then sure. I started paying attention to uh, the cartoons that started coming on TV. So all the Saturday morning cartoons uh, became a, a big influence, and it was a while before I was uh, became I guess aware of the term comic book because I was used to Sunday strips. Okay, but um, I'd say about middle school was when I got my first comic book. Wow, and and what
0: um what uh, what comic book was it? You know, do you remember?
2: <laughs> That's a collected volume of Garfield. <laughs> well, that,
0: there, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know, I, about the same time, about the same
2: age, for me, I, was, I would go and I would save up my money and I would get, I had some peanut,
0: Peanuts comic books or not, you know, okay. books of comics. And then I had uh, BC, which was line drawings of cavemen you know that with the BC cartoon
1: do you remember that mm-hmm. okay i'm trying to because there was, i'm thinking it's another caveman series that came on um had your your tall guy and the fat guy uh kind of the uh the stupid guy and the straight man type uh, show I'm Oh, i'm trying to remember oh, oh, the that name was, of it. That,
0: it it was uh, it was like a castle cartoon thing it was it was like the uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. I can—I mean, I can even see it, but I can't remember what the name of it was. Uh, it wasn't whenever the
1: short one was always stressed, he would make the comment, "Please make the hurting stop." <laughs> yeah, so it's it was. it been a minute. <laughs> you know what? I'm believe it or not, I'm going to take a walk
0: into my hallway here because I think I have a couple of those here. Let me turn the light on and see if I can. Find them because I I know exactly what you and and you know they they were really good on sarcasm and irony. Yes. <laughs> and and oh man, no, I don't fuck on it. You know you always want to keep every single book that you have if you're if you're a creative person. And I don't I don't have them here, but I, re, I, I swear to you I remember exactly what they were. I'll I'll figure out the the king of it. I'm so oh. It came to me. That's what it was called. The King of It.
1: I'm, I'm going to have to look it up to see. Where I'm, I I'm going to, to Wikipedia
0: right now, or I'm actually I'm going to Google right now, because I want to double
2: check. Uh, but yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, I'm surprised yeah. I remember that. <laughs> remember that at all. Oh, The Wizard of Id. That's what it was. The Wizard of Id. Let's see. I think that's the one you're talking about. This looks real
1: familiar. Uh, yeah.
2: Oh, gosh. But, yeah, I could see, you know,
0: being drawn to irony and sarcasm. That I mean, uh, so much of what I write now even when I do story short stories the irony is there um, kind of like the asshole co- uh, uh 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 sarcasm i i have that anyway
2: um <laughs> most
0: well no mostly i use it for political stuff because you know politics is so stupid sometimes you know and and you look at people who get sucked in by certain things and it's it's hard not to be sarcastic it's hard not to be cynical and it, it's hard not to devalue somebody's intellect because they believe some really stupid stuff. And, I, you know, sometimes I want to apologize for that. But then other times I realize that in certain ways I have come by being an elitist snob, you know, honestly, because, oh, no. if they're, they're, well, yeah, I know but it it's better that i know my my shortcomings rather than someone have to have to remind me every time i walk in you know step in it <laughs> so but yeah but i i like those kind of comic strips um and and for you that's kind of cool that you actually pulled out you know national strips out of the newspaper in order to kind of drive your creativity forward now were you were you copying them? Were you using them as an inspiration? Yeah, how did, how did it manifest? Because, of course, you know, there's two, there's two components to it. There's obviously the drawing, and then there's the crafting of the comic itself, you know, the
2: content. Uh, in the early days, I was more so
1: just drawn to the humor, uh, the fact that uh, it could take my mind off things when I was little. Um, Mm -hmm. But I didn't realize that I was just drawing what I saw, you know, because Mm -hmm. it was the humor, it was the the punchline, it was the timing, and then I I liked how they were drawn at the time, so it was the style as well. Um, Yeah. So I think at that age, I didn't realize exactly, you know, that I was trying to mimic them to begin with, but when I look at a lot of my old drawings, uh, they really did... uh, there was a definite um, Tim Davis influence going on in there. <laughs> mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm going to tell a secret that I don't normally tell, but my first book of comics. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> my, my first book of, of comics was by Herbert Block, Herblock, the political co- uh, cartoonist from, like, the 50s. And I don't remember okay. if it was a book well, I think my parents must have had the book. And okay. I, I glommed onto it because it had drawings in it. And then, you know, there was political humor in there. And, and and I'm I'm big into political humor. So yeah, but I never I never took that step that you took to trying to draw. Um, even today, if I try to draw somebody, you know, I, I, I tell people quite honestly, there's there's only three fingers and a thumb. You know, I, I'm I'm terrible <laughs> at anatomical drawing. I'm good at mechanical drawing. I'm good at graphic arts, but mm-hmm. but when you talk about trying to to draft something like a, a comic or or even draw a person, um, I I can't. I I'm it's 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 an art. That I just don't have. So I have nothing but respect for people who have the eye and can do stuff like that. Um, when you, about how old do you think you were when you started thinking about applying written content to a comic or to a drawing?
1: When I actually started to write down my thoughts, I was mm-hmm. either in the fifth or sixth grade. Jesus, um, that's young. I'd get a little, um, it, wasn't a man- it was not a a manila-, manila folder where you could trap the paper inside. It wasn't a trapper keeper, but it was just kind of a, you know, quick and easy way to hold your homework. So I would make yeah. a makeshift uh, notebook out of it and just jot down my little stories.
3: Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm.
1: Um, I was already thinking of that and I was drifting from comic book strips to superheroes because by that point in time, um Oh gosh, I was watching the Transformers, and I was watching Human and Shira. Um I was watching uh, um, the Voltron of that age. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So sure. everything started to c- become more heroic. So I would start writing my little things at that point in time. And, and I mean, did you have
0: a? How about an audience? Did did you like show them to the parents or you know friends or? Or was was this more like a singular pursuit at that time?
1: Uh, I tried showing it to family, but I, unfortunately, God bless them all, uh, <laughs> they did not have an uh, understanding of anything beyond starving artists. So there wasn't a lot of attention towards it. So it just became my little escape. Yeah, parents, you know, I, we, I've talked to people recently and only
0: recently have a couple of them. Really said that their parents were behind them in their art because a lot of parents look at it as okay, that's very nice, that's very good oh mm-hmm. that's that' you're very talented but 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 have a skill you can fall back on <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, something yeah, yeah. You, and and <laughs> I mean because no, I don't think very many parents really want that i I can't imagine a parent that wants their child to fail or yeah. not do well or to you know somehow go wanting but I think it's like if a parent has a child that wants to be in the NBA or WNBA and they just think that they're gonna be the next uh I was gonna say Michael Jordan, which would have dated me, but I'm I'm talking about like the next it's okay. LeBron, I would have LeBron say, hey.
3: James.
2: <laughs> LeBron James or or Steph Curry. Um so you know Everybody, everybody, you know, parents definitely want to see their
0: get their kids do well. And sometimes when you think about the odds you have of becoming, you know, an outlier in any industry, you know, getting your work. First of all, getting your work above the background noise is tough these days because, you know, with, with computers the way they are, with the, the amount of uh, horsepower you can apply to almost any creative endeavor. Mm -hmm. electronically it's it's tough getting your your stuff above the background noise so you can be noticed um when when you were drawing you know at at the very beginning not the very beginning you know but as you were going along you know middle school were you thinking in terms of putting together you know like a creative universe for other people to to glom onto or were you mostly fulfilling your own desire to create at that time Um, I guess what I'm asking is about when do you think you started thinking, well, you know, maybe
2: maybe I could make some money at this or maybe I could become known at this. I did not start to think
1: from that perspective, I'd say until I hit college. I knew I wanted to draw and I just figured, oh, I'll get a job as a, animator or a storyboard working on someone else's project, but the thought of I could make something off of my own stories, I didn't have the courage to even think that until uh, until I was in college.
0: Wow. Um, and, and what about it, while you were in college, were you taking any classes devoted to, excuse me, devoted to the creative arts, or were you still kind of doing it on your own?
1: Uh, Well, my first year, I went to the Atlanta College of Art, and after a year of everybody talking about how uh, comics was not the thing, and you need to do fine art, and you need to look at abstract, and all this other great and wonderful (laughs) thing, I had to get out of there. I hightailed it out of there really quickly, and went to the Hubert School, and that was focused on comics and animation. Okay. So uh, it was... Uh that was, a, um, that was a shock in itself. Uh, I was happy to find this school. I actually had another classmate that was with me in, in Atlanta that handed me a pamphlet, and he said, you need to apply to this. I'm like, okay. So, you know, gave it a shot, and they liked my stuff, and they're like, come on up. So I ended up in a classroom full of people that wanted to draw comics. So that was a shock in itself, along with the shock of New Jersey. <laughs> well, but, uh, you know, yeah. Cold weather is cold
0: weather, and can, and it can shock your brain.
3: But I mean, well, stop and
0: think about it. Being able to find, you know, an environment where they were into exactly what it was that you were into. That's I kind of missed that. I had one writing class in college, and honest mm-hmm. to God, I never thought I would be a writer you know, not more than technical stuff, you know, I did technical articles, I did, uh, you know, user's manuals and things like that, but never, I think the last creative thing I did before I, uh, before I wrote my first book was something I wrote in high school. Oh, wow! So, you know, it was, it was completely out of the blue, you know, and, and so I didn't, I didn't have the ramp up that a lot of people do to help them figure things out and, and even to become a good writer. You know, when I sat down to do the first book that I wrote, I had no idea how to write a book, but you, you were kind of lucky. Not only did you, you know, you had your own body of work, you had your own desire to, to be a, uh, an artist and, and then you find a whole school where they go, Hey, come on down, you know? So that's, that's pretty cool. You know, that that had to be, uh, uh, re- that had to reinforce what it was that you wanted to do in the first place. Um, so it
1: reinforced now, it and then it was a shock in itself because suddenly I was, so you go through the phase of uh, now you're no longer the only kid in the class that, that drew or drew comics. Now you were one of many. So then it introduced me to the more competitive nature of uh, other creators.
3: Oh, you make that sound not so good. <laughs> uh, some of this was really good and some of it not so much. <laughs> well,
0: I mean, okay, so but I suppose it's kind of it's kind of like anything. Okay, you know, um, uh, the thing that sticks in my mind is um my dad was a dean at a medical school okay, and and he did, you know, he was a biochemist and a toxicologist, stuff like that, and so I thought, well, why don't I just follow in dad's footsteps, and Mm -hmm. and he he dissuaded me from being a doctor. He said, no, I would rather you not be, and I said, well, yeah, but they make good money, they do this, they do that, he said, yeah, but you know what, going through medical school tends to take your humanity away from you, because it's so competitive, yeah, it's so competitive, and and um, even, like, doing your residency when they stick you in the emergency room and you have, like, you know, 30-hour shifts and stuff like that. I mean, he said it just was not something he wanted He wanted me to, to do because he said it would take my humanity away from me. So, I mean, I guess competition can be good because it forces you to try to be the best you can be and if you're very competitive it forces you to try to be better than everybody else um but i mean you you you, you don't sound very positive about it what what was kind of like the the downside to it that kind of that you're not that you obviously not are in that, or you obviously are not enamored
2: with
1: there was uh for lack of a better word uh a bit of bloodthirstiness coming from some of the other students, uh, to see them willing to do anything to get the attention and get people to look at their work. uh, uh, I guess in a way it was kind of that same visual of loss of humanity or loss of self in your work to just see Mm -hmm. them um, willing to either draw anything or do anything to those that they viewed as competitors. Uh, that kinda of took a bit of the the enjoyment out of creating stories and characters and drawing. Um so it was interesting to see that side because I had never seen that before. Um, you know, I knew people would compete, of course. You put two people in the with the same skill sets in the same room and say only one of you comes out to, you know, with the job or whatever, that's going to be competition. But to see sure. that level of it in some of the students, that was uh that was definitely shocking. So, um, yeah um yeah. while most of the students were pretty you know good-natured and doing their best there were I, I was introduced to a, a a different avenue of it too and it's kind of scary <laughs> Well I you know probably the
0: somebody put in the chat room which you left um that competing I with I the, No 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 it's okay. It um somebody commented that competing with yourself is the best which is a point that I was going to make that you know, I think the best creatives out there aren't always necessarily fighting to be better than other people, but just fighting to yes. be better as they go along. Like for me, I don't I I I can't remember the last time I compared my writing to somebody else's, but every time I do write either a book or a short story, I want it to be crafted better than the previous thing I wrote. You know, I want to get better and better and better. Mm-hmm. So I think that kind of competition is good. Um, I mean, how did you handle the competition that was going on? Did you ignore it? Did you? Were you sucked into it? Um, and and it does sound like it, it detracted a little bit from what you wanted to do. But yet here Actually, you are,
1: you know, pretty pretty darn successful. It didn't necessarily detract. Um, I found that I just did not want to be a part of it. Um, okay. I found this was where I realized that. Um, I did not want to spend my life working on somebody else's project. And I had developed so many stories and I had drawn so many characters and I realized I had all these different worlds and tales to tell. that uh, if I was just hell-bent on working for someone else, I'd never get these other stories out there. Right. So um, I was entering that stage at that point, and I think that's what helped me, and it kept me looking a little um, different. From the others? Um, in,
0: ter- in terms of your, your, your drive and your perspective?
1: Drive, perspective, subject matter. Um, okay. It was different from the others. Uh, I oh. was in a classroom full of, I don't know if people still use the word, but trendies. Uh, so if, for example, vampires were the thing, they would draw vampires. And if the next day they were like, okay, vampires out, um, werewolves are the next <laughs> thing, <laughs> suddenly everybody was drawing werewolves. And, and if I was the person that really liked just the vampires, I would stick to it because I like this and this is my genre, this is my subject, and I'm going to stay here and make this you know, the best damn vampire story I could. But um, everybody was still trying to, to catch up and, and beat and and do whatever it took to just get out there instead of just using their skills and just following that passion they had before they got into school well there you
0: know there's two there's two there's an a side and a b side to what you were doing and you know the a side obviously is your talent and your skill set and and the way you execute but the b
2: side is pulling um pulling something creative out of your own mind you know mm-hmm. on your
0: own you know what i mean and and a lot of people don't have that um that's why fan fiction is so popular that's why that's why you know in Hollywood you get uh, you get uh, three asteroid movies you know asteroid about to <laughs> hit Earth movies at one time or um, let's get team? all these uh, all these uh, superhero movies out here because you know obviously they're all making money you know and you know Hollywood is kind of risk averse anyway but I mean most people are and I think that if you have skills but you don't have imagination. Then you got to try to figure out well what's going to be commercially successful, and yeah. so maybe your your lesser
2: peers were were pushed into doing. No, who were avoiding the road less traveled? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, I I could I could agree with that. That feels like a couple of uh, individuals. And while some of them have gotten out there and they're happy, you know, which is great. Because uh-huh. uh-huh. at, the, at the end of the day, I don't want to see an artist give up. You know, it's just, it bothers me when I see one just put the pencil down. Um, I noticed that a couple of them are not happy because they have all these projects that, you know, in college and a few years after college they wanted to do and they were passionate about, and they can't. Uh, for whatever reason, be it day job or, or family or just, you know, they're, they're in their field, but it's just taken over. They just can't. And I did not want to be that
2: person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I, I, I ran into a comparable, too. When I started writing, I joined writers' groups and mm-hmm. networking groups. And, you know, people were saying, I, I, I asked people, well, are you writing something? Oh, yeah, I've been working on a book well, how long have you been working on it? Well, I've been working on it for about 10 years now. And and I would always ask, so what keeps you from finishing it? And mm-hmm. they said, well, you know, I've got family, I've got kids, you know, my job, my this, my that. and And I think one of the things that, well, that always stuck with me because I didn't want to start writing a book and not finish it. So I, in turn, decided to treat it like a part-time job. So, every night at ten o'clock i I stopped doing what I was doing, and I started writing, and I wrote till two in the morning and you know if you treat anything like a part time job, the chances are pretty good that you're going to finish what you started
1: yeah so yeah.
0: um and and for you, you know w- once you decided that you did not, that you wanted to take the road less traveled and you wanted to put together your own creative universe um how how long was it before you started putting structure to it and actually honed in on Either what you have
2: today or, or what it was that led you to, you know, to to doing, you know, the Shattered World stuff.
1: It took a moment. Kafaros uh, was just pretty much born while I was in my last year. Well, it, well was it the last year or the second year of keyboards uh, Between 2000 and 2001 was when it started. Okay. Um, and then, you know, you graduate and you got to find a job, you know, because you got rent. And then September 11th happened. And so life kind of threw me a curve And I ended up coming back to Alabama and then trying to get my feet back under me. And then it was just due to debt and all the other great and wonderful things that come with that. So uh-huh. it wasn't until about 2007 that I finally was like, I've got to tell the story. Um, but at that time, I was a little unsure as to if, uh, if people would like my method of storytelling. So and it's funny that you mentioned fan fiction. I decided I was going to take a popular fan fiction, and at that time, I was, uh, I was into anime, and uh, the big thing at that time, of all things, was Yu-Gi-Oh! So I decided okay. I'm going to just claim it as an AU, an alternate universe, so that I don't have to follow canon. And I'm going to take the characters that are popular and put them in the roles of the characters that I've written and just tell the same story and see how people will react. And okay. it took off. They, after they got over the shock of, I'm reading about my favorite character, the comments started changing. They started commenting on the story and they liked, oh, this uh, turn of the chapter or, or how it was building up to this. And you know, they were really starting to get excited for the story itself. And so I found that over the years, whenever I am developing a new uh, a new story or a new idea, I will go to um, this uh, fanfiction.net or archive of our own, a uh, couple other little fanfiction sites uh, under just a different pen name, and I'll take a series that's out there that already has you know some eyes on it, and I'll sure. just say, oh, it's an AU, and it involves character A, B, and C. And it's actually a story I'm going to illustrate. I'm just using those to bring people to it. And then once they mm-hmm. get over the shock of my favorite characters in the story and start paying attention to the story, uh, it lets me know, okay, this one, they, they're enjoying this or they're getting a kick out of this or maybe I need to work on this. And I found that actually helps me with testing my ideas with a crowd.
0: That's, you know, I've never heard that approach. That's kind of interesting. <laughs> do, you, do you? Well, no. I mean, do you think that makes more work for you, or does it make it easier for you to 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 hone in on what's going to work?
1: It's. I think it makes it easier with, uh, especially with gauging their reactions, because uh, people that read fan fiction are quite vocal. Um, so it, it made it easier, and plus, I like to write. Uh, I was mm-hmm. never formally trained in writing, but I've always mm-hmm. enjoyed. Um, reading and writing, and one just spilled into the other. So it was kind of a way to help me get comfortable with writing, and then putting my writing in front of people, and then withstanding whatever comments that came my way, and just growing from that. So I would count it all as a win at the end of the day.
2: Wow. Well, you're the first person who's who's talked about that particular strategy that I've that I've interviewed, um, and. <laughs> Well, no, I mean
0: it makes sense because, and it, obviously, it works. If it didn't work, you wouldn't do it.
3: Um, yeah,
0: yeah. Or, or you might do it. I mean, I take that back. You might do it, but I mean, obviously, it does work. Um, and then, and then, when you started putting together your specific
3: mm-hmm.
0: creative universe, what what were the underpinnings of that? Were Were they were they features from other people's creative universes, or was this one that you really, really started from scratch? And the reason why I ask, I have to apologize, is because I'm I'm not familiar with your work. Um, okay. But but I'm very curious. You know, how how did you get there? Was this completely something that you had planned on your own, or or is this derivative of something else?
1: When I first Started drawing the characters of Tesoro's, and before it even got the name, mm-hmm. I was still in college, and it was going to be just another video game parody. That's it, just because I liked playing games and I and I understood the gamer jokes, and it was just going to be another one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and then because it was on the back burner for about seven years, when I came back to it, um, I knew I wanted it to be more than that. Um. Uh, and around a little bit past that time was when NaNoWriMo came out, and I decided I was going to participate. And so uh, before I put it online as a fan fiction, I participated in NaNoWriMo and got about 30,000 words in before I had to stop. I had, to, I had a bit of a uh, family stop. But um, when I came back to what I wrote, because mm-hmm. of the whole point of NaNoWriMo, NaNoWriMo or National Writing Month um, where you just have to get it out of your head and just write, 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 write. Uh, I looked back at it and I realized this is actually a really good idea. You know, some stuff I removed, but a whole bunch of it I was able to really push and pull and uh, turn it into what I wanted to see. So I wouldn't, I think all stories have an inspiration from something. uh, But I wouldn't be able to hunker down and say, oh, it's inspired by this movie or this book. Uh, aesthetically, I pulled from steampunk. Uh, so I would look at stories that might have a bit of a, a steampunk flair for the aesthetics of it. But uh, storytelling-wise, uh, NaNoWriMo really helped to pull it out of me. Um, mm-hmm. So it's kind of hard to pinpoint uh, what it what cathodos would be similar to or inspired-wise, story-wise. Well, I mean, that that actually makes sense because one of the
0: things that, that most people teach when they teach writing is, you know, they don't teach you to worry about the edits or worry about anything other than first getting your story out on paper.
2: Mm-hmm. And, then,
0: or, and then once you, you've crafted it, then you can go back and do all kinds of other you know you machinations to it, you know you can edit, you can change, you can you know add characters, subtract characters, put in you know, mm-hmm. whoa, do we want a magic component or this, that, or the other thing and so you know, I think that that you apply a very, very decent discipline at the very beginning that made it easier for you to create what you wanted to create i mean is that fair to say
1: it created a blueprint, mhm- um, mm-hmm. and I was able to set it aside and then come back to it. It was a couple of months later and look over it and realize there's a lot of good stuff in here. And then I started to develop it even more. And then that's where I was like, okay, let me try it under the guise of a fan fiction and just see how people respond to this. because I like where it's going, but you know, my opinion versus the world <laughs> would be two different things. And it turned out that people liked it. They thought it was unique and original. I had comments that started turning into, you know, from oh favorite character to oh this feels like an original story or uh once the comments started changing and I really began to see that uh this is this is something different and I really should push this. So after about seventy thousand words online, I took it down and uh turned it, started developing it as a comic and going from there since you since you had the
2: um you know you have that seventy thousand word underpinning
0: do you think that that's going that that particular i mean did you d- develop a comic directly from what you wrote out of out of that uh out of the exercise
2: uh, or do I feel you modify I, I guess some. what I'm
0: asking is do you think you maybe get, get a book out of it or are you just pulling the things out of it in order to do the comic?
1: I actually want to do a bit of both. Um, after I pulled the fan fiction down, I still made some modifications uh, because at that point I had two online that were doing really good. Um, mm-hmm. Thoros is kind of a blend of the two. Um, so there's stuff that I want to do as a comic and then there's stuff that I wouldn't mind doing as a kind of um, an ebook or a, a short novel just to show kind of a, uh, because of, my main character's occupation. Uh, she has several uh, adventures. So, and I know I wouldn't be able to tell it all in a comic book format. So, I would not mind breaking away and doing a uh, a written or a, like a what is it a novelette? novelette? I always either think that, that or, that or a graphic
0: novel, where you could combine both the artwork and the and a, a, a more intensive structured storyline.
2: This
3: is true. This is
1: true. Um, I never thought of a, uh, printing something that had both text, uh, a novel on one side and a comic on the other side. But, um, well, yeah. yeah, consider
0: it. And, and remember where to send the 15% for the <laughs> idea to once you get it done. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, here's the cool thing about where you are and what you're doing. You know, when, when people start out with comics. And, and when they when they put together a structured universe and a creative universe that, you know, with the consistency with the the rules and the the, the characters and the plot lines and the story arcs and things like that, it, it's such a great environment to grow out of. And when mm-hmm. I say grow out of, I don't mean going someplace else, but I mean, um, you know, there's there's a the term a transmedia which means, you know, you have you have a certain creative idea and that idea is expressed in different kinds of media. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you could have the comic book, you could have a graphic novel, you could have uh, an animated series, all with the same underpinnings from, from your original creative universe. So that, I mean, that gives you a lot of options as you go along and as you decide what's the best way to express this part of my creative universe because some things Mm -hmm. lend themselves to animation, some things don't. So, I mean, I think it's, I, I, you know, I think there's a a brilliance in being able to do that. And I think that you started out, I mean, you started out with basically a a written narrative, which could have been a short story or a novel. And then Mm -hmm. from that, what you did was you adapted that
2: into comics. So, um,
1: so I've always um, been, well always wanted a comic, and then I got into wanting to see oh short stories written, little short novels. Um, mm-hmm. I've been noticing motion comics, so I've been practicing with uh, Adobe After Effects and Premiere to mm-hmm. uh, get little motion comic shorts done. Uh, so I've been kind of been experimenting with a couple of different avenues of telling this story.
2: Well, I mean it seems natural
0: i mean if yeah. you're, you know, some people are content to stick with one medium because they feel very, very comfortable, and some people go, well, you
2: know, who knows this could become <laughs> something so uh, and and so now, from a commercial standpoint mm-hmm. when when did you start to to push i mean i'm I'm assuming that your creative universe is not only on
0: display, but probably part of a, a commercial endeavor, correct?
1: A part of a commercial endeavor, as far yeah, as yeah, you're
0: selling is... comics. You're selling comics,
1: right? Oh, oh, jeez. <laughs> yes, uh, I got the first issue printed. I ran a Kickstarter in 2014. Uh, that mm-hmm. was successful, and then I got the first issue printed. I'm working on the second.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, uh, currently, I keep it online free to read, but I, I'm switching between host providers, so my site is on pause for a few more days. But uh, mm-hmm. its uh, I keep it online free to read for people, and I find that uh, every, with the try it before you buy it nature that everybody has developed over the years, uh, putting it online, letting them read it, they don't mind buying the novel once they see it. Because they right. read it and they like it and they want to support it, which has actually been absolutely fabulous. Um, because that's, a lot of people my age and older couldn't see it. They're like, why would they buy it if they can get it for free? but like, if they if they enjoy it enough, they'll want to support it. And that turned out to be the case. You know that that that's a much much more
0: successful strategy than people suspect. Um, I think mm-hmm. a really good example of that is something that's counterintuitive. When, when Napster first came out and people started sharing music, the music industry, as much as they fought it, had to admit that Napster produced increased sales. And they they produced increased like when I was looking for a certain piece of music,
2: mm-hmm. and I
0: found it, I and I found it on somebody else's computer. You know, they were they were offering it up for for free trade. I mean, you know that was what the model was i also looked at what else this person had in terms of music mm-hmm. it, because i might have i i was looking for something that i didn't know about that i would have i would have liked and i would say i probably in equal equal amounts purchased as much as just downloaded music um, actually I purchased the new stuff and the stuff that I already wanted and I knew what I, I, you know, like I had it on an album or something like that were things that I probably wouldn't go and buy a CD for. But if it was brand new and I wanted to check out, you know, what what, what is it about this music that this person likes who also likes what I like,
3: mm-hmm. um,
0: you know, they, and and I think that you're, you're sticking with that strategy is probably a good idea because it does actually work. What kind of tell us a little bit about the kind of response that you've had to what you've put together?
1: Oh gosh <laughs> it's actually been uh, very positive uh, in the beginning before I launched the comic, I was showing just drawings of my main character, uh, Joe, who I purposefully uh, designed to be an extremely androgynous woman. Uh, she's the tallest of the group that she's with, and okay. uh, looks. Uh, more masculine than how I would typically draw a uh, female character. So once people began to realize that that was a woman, you know, a couple of the male readers were a little deterred for lack of boobs. But uh, <laughs> over time, uh, they really began to like that she was so different. And one of the things I wanted to do was I didn't want the readers to be drawn to her for how she, how you know, sexy or feminine she looked. I wanted them to be drawn to her personality. And so I eliminated the the feminine and what people have come to expect for a female lead in a comic. And mm-hmm. it, it actually worked. So uh, the re, the response to the comic has actually been very positive. So I've, I've been very pleased with that.
0: You know, that seems to make sense to me, and I'll, I'll tell you why. You know, for, I'd say for the past 15 years, we've watched a lot of people put together a lot of comics, and a lot of the women heroes, whether they have superpowers or not in these comics, were drawn, you know, way over busty. You know, they were they had huge, en- enormous breasts, and if they were warriors, they wore, you know, less clothes than you would wear to the beach,
3: Yeah. which yeah. doesn't <laughs> seem
0: very practical if you're going out to kick somebody's ass and take some names. You know, why would you not armor up a little bit? So, yeah, that was a little counterintuitive. But then a lot of people were thinking, well, we want to appeal to adolescent boys with 13-year-old, you know, sexuality. So, you know, that was a double-edged sword. But I like the fact that you started out with somebody whose, whose features and attributes were not stereotypical. And probably that could have helped your draw.
1: What do you think? I think it did, because at that same thought of them trying to appeal to adolescent boys by putting the putting the, uh, the sexy woman in the front, they right. also have stories to where if it's a male lead, he's young, he's not like, you know, overkill, Rob Liefeld drawn. You know, it's, it's more of a focus on personality and skill. So why couldn't we do that with her as they, as we do with him? So... um I knew with Casaros because it was an action-based story that my readers were probably going to be predominantly male. but mm-hmm. um I uh it was it was definitely a uh, a uh, shot in the dark with Joe's design that uh paid off well. Uh, it actually drew in quite a bit of uh female readers too, which is just which is surprising the number of them. But uh All in all, I'm glad that uh, they've been pretty accepting of the fact that, no, she's not uh, drawn to look like a wet dream. (laughs) She's uh, actually drawn to look like she fits in the environment that she lives in.
2: Hmm. You know, it's going to be kind of fun to watch this, you know, over time.
0: (laughs) Well, no, I mean, you know, here's the thing counterintuitive characters always surprise people. You know, like, nobody thought that uh, that vampires were going to be such a big darn thing until they were. And then yeah. now we can't, you know, now we can't get rid of them. You know, same <laughs> thing with werewolves. And same thing with, uh, oh, I don't know. You know, you, you know what the memes are just as well as I do. Yeah, but, yeah. The, you know, the fact that you want to create you want to create unique characters, I think is going to bode well because people like diversity. People like things that aren't so stereotypically bland. You know, people don't like seeing the expected memes everywhere they go. So this, I I think this is going to bode you well. Oh, yeah, zombies. Zombies, oh God. How many zombie stories in the last five years? Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, you know, the, the whole zombie genre, Genre. Um, let let me just say this because we know there's not a whole lot of uh, lighter-complexed people who check out this show. But zombies just show how stupid white people are uh, in these two shows. You know, the, the Walking Dead and and Fear the Walking Dead. Oh, like I'm the first the first one to point that out. You know, if if if, the, if if that happened here, let's say that happened. I'm living in Chicago. First thing I'm going to do is I'm going to grab a bunch of CTA buses and block off my streets. So the the zombies can't come in my front yard. Okay, that's pretty damn obvious. That's something you do. Okay, (laughs) but but I mean to go out there. Oh, let me just get a stick or a knife and run around the countryside where the, you know, please, you know, get in the car that you know is
1: going to run out of gas, (laughs) or
0: or worse yet, that you're going to get so many zombies in front of you, you you can't run over them. Um, oh my God, you know, oh, oh, let me just ride my horse into a band of zombies because, you know, that's going to work. The <laughs> zombies ain't going to eat my horse. So anyway, yeah, no, I, you know, zombies, thank you very much, Quay, if you put in that in there. But yeah, you know, some stuff is just absurd and you can't, but because it's popular, I think those, you know, we're going back to those people that you saw in class who yeah. don't have the same kind of creativity running through their brain at least trying to say well maybe just do a variant here and i think that also uh people who teach those, those kind of creative classes whether they be creative writing or or art or whatever the the class that i took even back this was back in the 70s mid 70s it was a sci-fi writing class well reading and writing we read a lot and then we you know we wrote a little bit um mm-hmm. The, the instructor said, well, you know, it's going to be tough for you guys to figure out, you know, to try to come up with an original story. Because original stories are tough to come by. You know, at this time, you know, so many people have written so many things that the best you could do is maybe try to find a variation on a theme that will be, you know, significantly different enough that people go, oh, this is fresh.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, I." And uh, no, nah, nah, it's not true because every single one of my stories is unique. Um, and, and, and people go, well, how do you come up with them? And I'd like to say that I'm some kind of highly creative soul, but I, you know, honest to God, I think it
1: was all that cocaine use in the seventies. Oh <laughs> well, a lot of people don't well, admit think, that. Go ahead. I would think all stories have been told before. It's your take on it. That makes it different. Uh, at least all subjects have been told before. Um, well, oh, but see, that's, but that's almost like cheating because, oh,
0: when you say all subjects have been written before, then, then you can just immediately down check somebody by saying, oh, that's just a love story. Oh, that's just a fish out of water story. No, but I mean, I, I, no, I'm not saying that you would do it. I'm just saying the editorial you when people go, oh, well, you, you didn't really write an original story. That's just a love story. You know a variation Oh on a boy theme. well really it, really it's just a love story. when was the last time you read a story about oh what was that movie that just got some awards uh the 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 woman who fell in love with the creature from the black oh. Moon, but not from the ah
1: uh, what was it water or something
0: I don't know i can, I'll look it up oh. later, but yeah, but you know. And and then, you know, they go, oh, that's just a variation on Beauty and the Beast. And, you know, so people are just, I think people oh, have an overwhelming need. Yeah, the shape, there you go. People have an overwhelming need, I think, to categorize something so that they can this dismiss it. You know, just that's so that true. they can dismiss it, you know, so that they don't have to apply any thought to it. No cognition. And certainly, you know, uh, people, I, I hate to say this, but I think, you know, black folks invented the term haters for a reason you know if you and, and i know that that's an extreme example but you know if you can dismiss somebody's idea by saying oh that's just like instead of going you know that's an interesting take on on something you know
2: so
1: from that uh, perspective then yes i agree with you um i i can agree because uh, i've watched uh, just from uh different artist communities when someone would post something that viewers would immediately say oh that is like insert character from this series and right. while the character looks nothing like it, they might have uh, a big throw like whatever character that they're trying to say it looks like, or they wear yellow. Oh, that's just, yellow that's just or, or from something. the mod squad. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's I, actually I, a I, unique uh, character, but people are trying to say it's not. And so from that perspective, I, 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 can, I, I can understand that. Yeah. Well, I, okay, well, let,
0: let me... You've described one of your characters. Could you describe for us the creative universe that you've populated? You know, what is it? What's what's kind of like the the underlying theme? What's what's your world like that you've that you have populated with with you know less than stereotypical characters?
1: Uh, the themes tend to revolve around second chances. Um, okay. The uh, Basically, the whole concept is not judging by appearances. Because the main group that you follow, uh, they don't look like heroes. They don't. Uh, they all came from uh, less than spectacular, you know, points of life. And they actually mm-hmm. enjoy their lives. They were just kind of thrown into something a little unwillingly and uh, have to learn and grow from there. Um, so those would be the two themes that I revolve around in the, in the world of Kotoros. And and so, I mean,
0: uh, that, I mean, that's a great background because, you know, uh, obviously you have infinite possibilities. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I had a great – oh,
3: and then <clears> – <throat>
0: excuse me. And then how is it that you come up with your characters? I can see where you oh, would gosh. go, well, I'm going to create a character that's not – you know, it's not uh, Xena the big-chested warrior. Or you know whatever whatever stereotypical meme it is. Not you, will you understand what I mean, don't you?
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, Joe came about. I had always, uh, whenever it came to my personal characters, and uh, whenever I drew uh, females, I wanted them to look athletic, and I wanted them to. And I, I uh, in my animation reel, were involved around a short story I read a, I had written about a kickboxer um, who before she took on the profession of kickboxing, uh, she was more of a wrestler. So she had a thick, heavy build. Um, She still looked feminine, but she was muscular. And I instantly, you know, from my fellow classmates, they weren't all that fond of the fact that (laughs) her biceps are bigger than theirs, (laughs) which isn't saying much for a room full of art kids. But uh, um, I found I liked drawing characters that looked like they lived this life. You know, so if it was a boxer, you know, they're built like a boxer. If they were a, uh, they spent all their lives sick in a bed, they're going to look kind of thin and frail or just look like they don't get much activity. I want them to be able to tell their story without saying a word. Mm -hmm. So I started uh, just designing characters like that. So uh, some of the other cast members that end up with Joe for most of the story, uh, you can look at them and tell the type of life they've lived through their expression, through how they dress, through their build. Um, I just enjoy doing those type of designs instead of just drawing what would be flashy because I really suck at drawing flashy. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I
0: I wouldn't say you suck at it. Let's just just, just say you haven't really developed your style in that area. How is that? (laughs) Okay. Better? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> a lot of people don't realize that, you know, that a, that a host is not supposed to try to do a gotcha interview, but the host is, is to try to put the best spin on things as possible. But, I mean, a lot of, a lot of people have a, have a tough time figuring out, you know, what is their overall style going to be? What is their creative universe going to be? And you've you come up with one that's great, you know, and, and the concept of second chances is pretty universal in terms mm-hmm. of people understanding the mean. Um, every, you know, I, I don't know anybody who hasn't made a mistake in life and mm-hmm. said, wow, I, I could, I, it, since I can't undo that, you know, how can I make sure that A, I don't do something like that again, or B, I can make up for what I did, you know, the pay it forward kind of concept or whatever. So no, I mean, that, that provides you with a, a, a good, strong um, foundation for the universe. And then since there are so many instances, so many things that happen in people's lives, where you could apply that that underlying mean, this I think it's a, you've got legs um
1: it gives me you the, have, the room to uh, give oh, sorry <laughs> um, no no no, it gives me the room to let the characters make a mistake, a big mistake um sure. some mistakes that you can't recover from because just as I write the uh the sides where characters uh manage to make up for what they did. Or they they go up, I also have characters that uh, fall. You know, they might have started off on a good foot or where they were on a bad foot and it just was a just constant descent. So just to show both sides of it, you know, everybody's going to get a second, third, or fourth or just another chance. It's just what do you do with it? That's uh, uh, And that's what a lot of the characters go through in this series.
2: If I were to be cynical,
0: no, not cynical. Let's just say uh, if I were to just make what you've done is uh, is almost like Martin Luther King-esque, where people are not judged by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're judged not by the way they look, but but by the people they are and how they they follow through with life. Um, and and do, are you finding that your readers are resonating with the idea, or are, have you not? put out enough, you know, with only the one comic out there, are you able to see what your readers are trending on, what they like, what what they like about what you've done? Or, you know, do they just like, well, this is the first issue and this one's pretty interesting, and, and then they're just waiting to see how you kind of flesh this out over time?
1: The comic is too soon. Uh, it's still new. They like what they see, but it's not enough to to show uh, the personalities and their histories yet. The okay. sad fiction that I wrote, however, uh, I was well into it. So they had the chance mm-hmm. to watch some fall and some climb out and some never get out and some, you know, all the different little avenues that I wanted to go into, and I got a huge response from that.
3: Mm-hmm. So okay.
1: um, it gives me kind of a, just a tiny little bit of foresight as to what's become. So I feel like that uh, it will... Be uh, overall positive. Once they see the characters go through the ropes and react the way I want them to, so I'm actually looking forward to that. And then uh, every once in a while, I'll re- show some character designs and I'll give a snippet of who they are uh, or where they were at the time this scene, you know, is happening. And people are just genuinely interested. So I'm I'm excited about inter- introducing the other eight along with Joe. But uh, Overall, I feel like it's going to be pretty positive. And and do you have kind of like a story arc? Do you have
0: a a, a number oh, yeah. of comics that you're going to produce in this universe, or or is this something that you haven't you know you haven't decided yet?
1: Uh, the actual story arcs are done. Um, I've already plotted the story from beginning to end. Now breaking it down into issues, uh-huh. I am. Uh, I don't have a definite count, only because in the midst of it, I have moved stories around. Uh, just the stuff that felt like I could move it because it just fit, fit better coming sooner or coming later. And then mm. I might add a little something. So it's a little hard to determine the number of comets, but I feel like as far as time, it probably will take me seven years.
0: Wow. that's well, I mean, that's, that's a good long time, but that's – Hmm. Well, yeah, I have to think of it mean, that, along
1: the, uh, as far as comics are concerned, cause, you know, even if sure. I was putting it out as a uh, a floppy a month, that's just twenty four pages.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I do have a personal question I want to ask you, if you don't mind.
2: Okay. Uh, where's your regional accent? My regional accent? Yes. Where'd you grow nice. up?
1: Oh. <laughs> I guess, a, okay, I get that variation of that question a lot. I was born and raised in Birmingham, Alabama.
0: Uh-huh. And where is your Birmingham, Alabama accent, young lady?
3: I don't know. <laughs> I get it a mean, lot, but I don't know.
0: It's it's interesting to me because, you know, it, I get to interview people from all over the country. And, and I heard you speak, and I went, okay, yeah, fine. Okay, she says she's in Alabama. Okay, she said she grew up there. And she only left yeah. for college? What yeah. uh, Okay. No, I was just curious. I thought, uh, for me, I learned how to speak like this because I did not want to be relegated to the 1400s on the AM dial when I was growing up.
3: <laughs> okay. You know,
0: doing, doing somebody's church broadcast every Sunday. Um, and and I, I went and I got tapes of uh, news broadcasters from Seattle. Because in the 70s, that was considered the most, no, excuse me, the least non-regional accent in America. So I wanted to, I didn't want to sound like J.J. J. Walker growing up or, or being on the air because that's, oh, wow. that's limiting. And um, so so I was just curious. I, and, and you have no idea why you don't sound like you grew up there.
1: I have no idea. I've gotten this since I was a child. Uh, where are you from? You're not. You don't sound like you're from Alabama. Like I don't no, know. I've been born and raised here.
0: <laughs> no, I mean it's not a big deal. But I was just curious. I, you know, because like, okay, you know, there's some people who maybe spend some time in England because their parents are in the armed forces.
2: Oh I, no. I interviewed
0: somebody. I, <laughs> I, I I interviewed somebody like that a, a few weeks ago, and and so I, you know, it's always interesting to me what people's path, what path they've taken to get where they are. And that and that's just part of it, um, you know. And I think I'm particularly oh, wow. sensitive about it because when I started learning how to talk like this, we go, oh, why do you want to sound white? You know, oh, you know, <laughs> what you think you're, you're 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 better than us? What you you know, you know? I'll go, well, yeah, I do a read a book every now and then, but I you know I don't <laughs> want to say that unless I got my butt beat. But I mean, it, it's just interesting. Um, so it's kind of cool that you you don't. I mean, there's really not much stereotypical about you. And I like the fact that, you know, you have so many different things going on. Plus, you want to produce counterintuitive characters, which I think to set out as a goal is, is I think it's unusual and it's pretty cool. Um, can you remember what it was that drove you to decide, well, I don't want to be
2: conventional? Was this part of you just arriving at your own creative process? I hmm, I think the biggest difference in how
1: I drew or my storytelling was between middle and high school. Okay. When I really started to produce my own
2: characters. Mm-hmm. Um
1: gosh, wow. I think well, in middle school, that's when I really started picking up reading too. So it was you know, I got my Saturday morning cartoon influences and then I was uh reading, you know, during the week. Um in the summertime I really would just lose it and read about literally thirty books a month. It was it was crazy. I don't know what happened in middle school. <laughs> I actually blame one of my teachers because she introduced me to a horror series and I could not put it down. I was finishing mm-hmm. a book in a day. And it just took off from there. But uh, now I don't quite have the time to read that much, but uh, I still you know, go through a couple of books a month. But um, I, gosh, I think the influence from the different genres I read in the different novels I picked up, um, and then just the fact that I still loved animation and comics, it just started to blend. But I, I it would have to be somewhere between middle and high school well, I mean, that, that, that.
0: now that I think about it, you know, instead of asking a stupid question, now that I think about it, it makes a lot of sense. If you, if you read that much and you run into that many characters, mm-hmm. it's, it's probably going to give you a much, much broader perspective about character creation. For me, um, you know, it's my background in psychology. I know how people be at, behave. I know how they act. I know what motivates people. I know where people's weaknesses are. Um, you know wh- what what makes for easy manipulation? How do you put that in character? All of that sort of stuff that make you know that's easy for me. You know, creating mm-hmm. you know kind of three dimensional characters is not that difficult because I think of of what makes a per- what motivates people to be the way they are, to say what they say and to do what they do. Um, mm-hmm. You on the other hand, you got you have a million characters and a million characters that you read about that you've come to know that you may have liked or disliked, from which to draw character traits from. So that, that also bodes well too for for the you know the overall the breadth and depth of of the kinds of characters you create. Um what what do you let me ask you this what do you dislike most about creating a character?
1: What do I dislike? Oh boy. Yeah.
0: Oh. Well, I've got one, too. I, I, I'll I I'll even tell you after, you know if you come up with it. And if you don't,
2: I'll just tell you. Uh, mm. Well, here, I'll give you my, my for instance.
0: For me, when I'm creating a new character, sometimes I'll sit there for an hour, hour and a half to try to
2: think of the, the perfect name that or was, the ah! right name. I sit there I see and I go, being a you know, problem. I'm sorry? <laughs>
1: Well, i was saying I could see names being a problem. Well, you know, and I, I know that that is not
0: that big a damn deal, but for some reason it it is where I have the most trouble in writing, which is coming up with a character's name, figuring out who they are, their personality, what, you know, the nuances that expose their personality by what they say or the mm-hmm. little things of what they do. You know, there are certain things, you know, like when, uh, uh, you may have that friend that if you ever talk about something of a salacious nature, they, they put the doo-doo mouth on and you could tell that they, they don't want to hear about that and it makes them uncomfortable or they disapprove of you because of that. and And so you see that aspect of their character based upon that one thing. So being able to put together character traits like that on the run while I write is really, really easy so that people get kind of a mental image of who the character is. But just the simple act of picking out a name—that's always been a toughie for me. For you, I mean—is there anything that's tough for you in 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 putting in drafting your characters and creating them?
1: I guess what would be most difficult for me would be the timing of revealing why they are the way they are, because I get very excited and I want to show and. I have to go ahead and plot beforehand, this is when this is going to happen, this is when this is going to happen, and have to curb my eagerness to show people why. So I think it's not necessarily a dislike, it's more like a battle against myself because I've got a secret and I want to tell and I can't, it's not time yet. <laughs> so I'm more fighting with myself about, you know, the big mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've kind of got it, got it under control, but... Yeah, it's 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 definitely like the kid at Christmas staring at the presents under the tree and told he can't open them yet. <laughs> that's yeah. I, 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 that makes
0: perfect sense to me. I mean, you don't. You know, first of all, you don't want to. You don't want to have a, a character reveal that's nothing but a bunch of heavy exposition.
3: Mm-hmm. You know.
0: You know, so and so was such and such because of you know. Uh, they were scared by um, a dog when they were a child. Blah, blah 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 blah, and you go on and on and on and on, and you know the person who's reading going, come on, let's just get on with the story. You know, really mm-hmm. you know? So that makes that makes sense. Um, and and do you think that that's probably the, the the most difficult aspect of your writing, to to that you get so excited about what you've written that. There are times when you really have to pull back on yourself in order to, to maintain that kind of discipline storytelling discipline
1: That's a challenge for me. Uh, I mm-hmm. think uh, all the you know the fanfic writing has helped me control it okay. uh, but uh, that's always been a challenge because I like the slow burn and the slow build to you know whatever reveal I'm leading people towards, and I understand that if you give it to them too soon, you know it could wreck the story. So mm-hmm. I'm able to hold back, but there's that eagerness, you know, oh, my God, I can't wait for them to get here because this is going to happen and it's going to be great, you know. <laughs> so it's uh, definitely more of a fight with myself just to, you know, shut up. <laughs> I get it. No, I get it. And then, you know, when
0: you're writing, let me ask you this. I mean, I I know you've only done the one issue, but do you have do you have a suggested age range? for how you write, you know, are you, can, you know, would you fall into the young adult and older or, or adult? um, Are you consciously looking at writing at a certain, you know, a certain level in terms of violence or
2: sexuality or things like that in order to, to kind of stay within a certain age range Mm -hmm. lane?
1: Early on, I was, uh, more so for teens, Okay. but I found that even then, I um, whenever people are writing for teens, they tend to have a very young character, and a very young character that can do all these things that the adults can do, and they're just so, you know, OP or overpowered or whatnot, and I found I didn't like that. So the young adults are more open to having older characters, you know, as the person that they'll follow. So I mm-hmm. find that young adults would be my target, but I see that teens and older adults are reading it. So I'm happy oh, for good. that wide that wide window. But uh if I had to pick a group right now then I would say young adults. So that's probably going
0: to color the the kinds or at least the the kinds of elements that you include in your stories in the future, right? Because you kind of want to maintain a certain amount of consistency.
2: hmm Okay. No, so, I um,
1: I wouldn't say, you know, oh, no, it's a crazy adult book that the children shouldn't read it, but some of the subjects that I do hit on are difficult ones. And yeah. I don't think a 16-year-old would, would – I don't know now. I guess now they've – they would, but um, at 16, I most certainly wasn't thinking about some of the stuff that I have in the comic now. Um, <laughs> I'm fairly certain <laughs> that, uh, things have changed since then, but uh, I do know that those in that young adult, uh, they're in their, that 19 to 25 area, uh, they would understand that this is something that they're focusing on. This is something they've experienced or, or experiencing. Um, And it's just been a surprise to find that a lot of younger readers are still coming on in and checking it out and commenting, and then a lot of older readers that are my age and older are coming in and doing the same thing. So um, I guess it's wide open.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm doing my first young adult novel right now, and uh, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm, I'm getting everything down. And then I'm going to have to figure out what my lane is going to be, and then when I go through to do my first edit, I'm going to really have to apply mm-hmm. the, the, the standards necessary for it to to be considered young adult, you know, because uh, a couple of my other books have a couple of love scenes in them that would not be, they, they probably wouldn't, <laughs> they probably wouldn't be welcome at a high school level. Um, and probably and with not the, well yeah but that's so stupid i mean you know high school kids imagine what they see on their computers now
3: you that's know what gosh. i
0: mean and 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 i'm not saying that as an excuse i'm just saying that as a reality you know they're too and and that's one of the problems with uh i would say sexuality in our culture is that we're so schizophrenic about it you know supposedly we're you know, kids are supposed to just say no, they're not supposed to be sexual creatures until, at least until they, you know, their parents decide whatever their dating age is supposed to be and things like that. And yet every single thing we try to sell to them or motivate them with is based on sexual attraction or, you know, attraction to the opposite sex. So it's, you know, it's just, I feel bad for kids these days. How are you going to be a kid when you can... Be exposed to things just through your computer, just out yeah. of your own curiosity, just using a search engine that, that like, you and I didn't have when we were in our early teens. You know, I didn't. Yeah. You know, what did I have? I had, uh, oh, I had, uh, oh, yeah, uh, Byron's father had a subscription to Playboy. You know, that was about it. <laughs>
1: I drifted into the adult section in the library. That's about as bad as it got.
0: You drifted. I like that. I just I, I, I accidentally. What had happened was I was going over here and I really meant to be over there.
3: You see oh, what then. happened? I just you have to just frequently I check them out.
0: Yeah, I like how I. You know those art books with all the naked people? I had no. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
1: it fell into my basket. <laughs> yes.
0: Anyhow. Okay, well, all right, so that's that's kind of cool. At least you're looking at, you know, mostly a young adult age or, or a bottom of, you know, the bottom level is young adult. And and so mm-hmm. that, that does allow you to deal with adult themes in in ways that are age appropriate. But mm-hmm. it doesn't limit you by saying, oh, no, we can't talk about violence. Oh, no, we can't talk about drugs. Oh, no, we can't talk about, you know, um, making a terrible mistake and then, you know, having to try to rectify it. You know, all of it, it gives you, it still gives you a lot of latitude. Mm-hmm.
3: Um,
2: what kinds of, you know, give us an example of what kinds of
0: mess-ups your characters engage in that they need to try to rectify in their second or third chances? Are you talking about, you know, I, I would imagine relationships, possibly maybe things they did on their jobs. I mean, whatever comes to your mind. Is that kind of fair game? Um,
1: I have one that had to make a decision as a mob boss. Uh, as a what? I'm sorry?
3: It,
1: a mob boss. Uh, oh, the equivalent okay. of a uh, being a, a don in the mafia. Uh, right. I have another that has several uh, murders on her hands. I have one that uh, owns a wide range of uh, casinos, and uh, for his youth, did quite a number of things for the money. Uh, mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I have uh, another that is kind of a life gambler. Uh, so they've all, and, and they enjoy their lives. And when they meet up with Joe and everything sort of hits the fans for them, it's not that they were looking to walk away at that time. They were looking to go back to their lives and now they couldn't. And in the midst of everybody being forced to work together and uh, still having to travel with Joe, they get to see the other side of the fence, what their decisions have done to others.
3: Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm.
1: while under the hood of people not recognizing who they are, so it's a it's a wide range of things that a couple of the individuals have done on this group. Well, it sounds from um, uh, to me almost like you're
2: you're putting together morality plays, a little yes. bit.
3: Yes.
1: Um, you've got, um, you know, I do have a bit of a play of a. Um, a big battle on the horizon. It's kind of a the battle of resources, similar to um, the fight over oil that we that we go through now. Um, the repercussions of overtaxing the land, uh, how it affects the people. So it's it's all around how it's affecting them and what they've done in retaliation. So it's a, a pretty broad scale as far as uh what all the characters have done individually and what the environment around them has done to them.
2: Hmm. Yeah, it's it's kind of an interesting premise because I I've, I'm I'm trying to think back to
0: all the people I've interviewed over the last five years and I don't think anybody has really come out and had that as a focus. Um, what what made you so interested about the whole second chance thing or the morality play um, uh, situation? Was it is it, it was it stuff that you read that really that really galvanized you or you had a real affinity for or was was this a hook? And I don't say that in any derision whatsoever, because finding a hook is great. You know, if you find a good one. Um, what, not what,
2: what
1: was your
0: prime motivator? Go ahead.
1: It must. Oh no problem. It's not necessarily what I've read. Um, I did not have uh, necessarily the, the the safest of childhood. You know, unfortunately, I did not have the dad of the year, and mm-hmm. my my not dad of the year kind of really let the family have it for quite some time and because i was born a little frail i was sort of left in the corner and you know uh just i just sat back and watched sure so i i developed a uh i guess a method of watching people just observing Mm-hmm. So I've watched people's choices take them apart. I've watched people try to come back. I've seen successes and failures. And that, I think that was the start of it. So um, it didn't begin with the book. Books have helped. But uh, mm-hmm. it, it mm-hmm. began with my environment, just watching the rise and fall of people. You know, I was also in a poor neighborhood. So um we saw the rise and fall of neighbors or neighborhood kids. You hear about where they are now and how some of them didn't make it, and some didn't. They're doing great, and some didn't quite make it, and they're doing not so great right now. So, um, I know the importance of getting another chance, and uh, I'm, I, you know, I myself have received uh, opportunities, other chances, and I have either taken them or I've not taken them. So. I know what it's like to miss that chance. Uh, I know what it's like to take it and fail, and take it and succeed. So, a lot of it's a mixture of personal experience and then just watching others. You know,
0: a word just occurred to me a few a minute or so ago as you were talking, and, and the word is redemption. Um, mm-hmm. is, is that would you say
2: that that's a fair theme that that permeates your work? I think so. I think that's very okay. fair. Um, so that's, I mean, that's, who couldn't use some redemption, especially know, these right? days?
3: <laughs> 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 that's a whole bunch of us, I could really use it. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm, I'm just looking over at my news feed over here and, you know, there's a, there's an article about China is slamming 34 billion worth of U.S. goods with tariffs. And it's funny that the state that it hurts the most are the ones that went for the uh the this, this guy who's in the White House right now. <laughs>
3: yeah,
0: you know you know, I I I love to just write it off as karma. You know, I'd love to just say, Well, you know, if you were stupid enough to get burned by him, you're in, and now you're you know, because you thought he was the best thing, he was gonna really shake things up. Well, how do you like him now? You know? He's shaking I'm things about up to, now. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I keep uh, threatening to do this, but I think I'm going to get some T-shirts made up that have Obama's head on the front,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then on the bottom it's just going to say, "Do you miss me yet?"
1: <laughs> <laughs> I would buy one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. See,
0: that's that. <laughs> so you're missing me yet? So I mean, that's uh, <laughs> anyway. And oh, and that, that's a good idea. That's a that's a good question. How? Um, do, you know, current events figure into your stories at all? Do you pull anything, oh, yeah. you know, what is it ripped from the headlines of today? That kind of thinking in terms of crafting what it is that you're, you're you know, the stories or the subplots that you've got. Um, and if it does, like, give us an example.
1: The decline of morality in individuals. Uh, oh, our effect well. on our environment and how our re- environment is retaliating and the fact that we're turning a blind eye to it all. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of what's going on, uh, what I've just observed over time up till now, it plays
2: a heavy role in Sakura. In like, like. Um.
1: Let's see if I can. You have. I mean, none.
2: Yeah. If you could just just throw one out there, I'm just, you know,
0: because yeah, it's a great. You, you describe it great, mm-hmm. but I, I'm just curious oh. if, you, if you have a concrete example that you could toss out to us.
1: I'm trying to find something that would be non-spoilery. So, um, Oh, no, 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 story, it's a
0: spoiler. Don't worry about it. Don't worry don't, about it. It's, I don't
1: think this one is. No. I don't think this one is. Uh, so it's already established that, um, or it's spoken of, and it'll be even more established by the end of the issue too, that uh, the world relies on a resource called Black Opal. Um, it's dug up from, it's primarily found on the groundland. Um uh, it's dug up in uh in different mining towns this is kind of their big um money maker sort of like um it's almost like the gold rush days where okay. uh, the towns are built around areas that are rich in it uh there are the uh, uh, there people that are basically bullying the mine, mining towns to do the work and once they dig up what they want, uh, they basically take it and leave just enough behind for them to dig up more. The problem is they're taxing the land. And the stuff that they're digging up is causing problems. Uh, it's affecting those, uh, the health of those that are uh, down there doing all the hard work. And the ones that are making the profit on it live far away, And um, so it doesn't affect them. They get to keep up their lavish life lifestyles, and they get to turn a blind eye on it. Uh, the people are starting to get angry, and they're getting angry enough to retaliate, so uh, their employers are using force um, and they don't mind using force and broadcasting it as a means of this will happen to you if you you know try to you know step forward and try to stop what we've established and so it's breaking to that point with a lot of individuals and it's those that are turning their eye away from the fact that. Uh, in order for us to keep up our lifestyle, we have to make them work hard enough to where it's killing them. Wow. So <clears throat> that's a uh, one of the uh, a big roles that's uh, going on in Kathara.
2: Okay, that's a good example.
0: <laughs> well, no, it's not like mining vibranium, you know, in Wakanda. So.
2: Oh no. <laughs> um.
0: <laughs> um I, I like the idea, and and since it gives you almost infinite storylines to you know, explore, it sounds like you've got a you know when you talk about a seven year span. And and how many uh, how often will you be putting out a comic? How many a year do you think in that seven years?
1: Oh gosh, I want to get to a point to where I could put out um, um, between eight to ten issues. So um, the more and more my Patreon starts to lift, then I get to more and eventually get to where I could do 12, an issue a month, so you know, 12 issues a okay. year, or do one giant graphic novel that collects all of that in a year. But uh, either way, um, uh, that's kind of my goal with the, uh, the Patreon page. But uh, until then, I work a day job, and then I uh, go out into my little office and uh, try and post on a weekly basis.
0: Well, I mean, day jobs is what we have to do until we can yeah. actually become self-sustaining. I mean, I and I, I, I constantly complain about the fact that I'm out there de-porning and de-virusing, you know, computers for a living. 40. Um. Well, you know.
3: Yeah. Mostly <laughs> my,
0: you know, but I've been doing it for so long. I get paid real well doing it. I don't have to work that many hours a week, so I should quit bitching. You know, I really... <clears throat> In terms of you know wanting to be a self-sufficient writer, uh, mm-hmm. definitely I'm not there yet, but it's it's not it's something that I'm constantly just going to keep I'm going to keep working at it. You know I'm uh, yep. I think every all of us are basically entrepreneurs. You know we we've, we've started a business and we're hoping that this business can become our sole source of income later on. So uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, let's just hope that happens. Um it'' putting what is, I'm sorry,
1: oh no, I was just saying it's a slow build, but it's happening,
0: yeah yeah and and so out of all of the stuff that you've been doing, you know when you think about the the practice of um you know the part of your business that that is the business of doing business to use the word three times in one sentence <laughs> um what what are you finding are your biggest challenges from a business perspective because it sounds like at least from the creative side, you have enough fodder to to write fairly easily and fairly well what are your What are your business challenges at this point?
1: uh those fall into the categories of promotion um just trying to get the word out there it has been mm-hmm. challenging, trying to look at the different ways of getting it out there through social media the advertisement um announcements, just spreading the word has been the biggest challenge because, you know, I came from not talking much to now I have to put my face out there. And that was a traumatic enough event in its own (laughs) to put my name and my face out there. So um, learning that side of it has been very tricky. Um, And then between uh, juggling the day job and taking on commissions to make ends meet and then turning around and drawing the comic, and then have to take time to try and get people to speak about it, or to write a link about it, or to mention it. That that's been a challenge. It's been a big challenge.
0: Well, that is that is the I think the main challenge, the biggest challenge of any entrepreneurial creative, you know, like you or me, um, mm-hmm. because even though it, it's nice that the tools exist for us to do things much, much easier you know like it's much easier to publish a book now than it was even ten years ago. It's much easier to publish a comic. there's so many things that you can do mm-hmm. digitally and electronically, but you know having said that, you have you have countless thousands of others, maybe even mm-hmm. millions in some instances and and you know that challenge of getting you know how do you get your work? above the background noise is something that I think everybody faces and so it's like in 1992 where everybody thought that oh every business model can be converted to the internet with no problem and you know people lost vast fortunes of money because you know are you really going to shop for a 100 pound bag of dog food or cat food online and then pay more to have it delivered to you than it would be to just swing by the store and pick it up yourself. You know, there there are a lot of mistakes that are made where people just erroneously believe that merely because we have this thing called the internet, um, we can do anything with it. And obviously that wasn't true. So, you know, in terms, of, I think I think the new, oh, we have the internet and it'll take care of everything that new meme has been translated into oh we have social media and that that's all the advertising you need and, <laughs> and that doesn't that doesn't make sense because you know with, until you reach a certain threshold of friends in facebook on on a business page not on a personal page but on a business page mm-hmm. or you have you know certain a certain threshold of number of thousands of, of followers on Twitter, essentially, whenever you make an announcement about what you're doing, uh, what you're doing basically is shouting in your friend's face every time you do something, and that becomes pretty boring and counterproductive over time. So, you know, mm-hmm. social media is not the panacea that everybody thinks it is. You have to be very clever, you have to be innovative, and sometimes people who are creative in terms of you know writing books or or doing comics or you know producing music or whatever they don't have that same level of creativity in terms of trying to figure out the, the way that you can make something go viral and mm-hmm. and i think the very definition of something going viral is is counterintuitive from the definition you know they talk about oh this this is going viral you know, everybody's looking at it, but you know, at the very beginning, nobody was looking at it. So, what what was that step that made it from you sending you know that stupid ass cat video to your friends to all of a sudden everybody seeing that stupid
1: ass cat video? Yeah, I said it. Somebody had to say it.
3: So but the problem yeah, with that, those I, would
1: be I, that people will look at the stupid cat video, but how do you keep them coming back? <clears throat> yeah, there is that.
0: You know what? You know. Cat, old dog new tricks i don't know um yeah that's that's the problem well for you it's a little easier for me it's a little easier because if we create stories and characters that are compelling people will come back but our challenge is how to get enough people to find to discover our stories Hmm. and our characters in order to get them to come back and so i mean i deal with that every day you know, one of the things that I'm doing right now that I didn't do, I'm I'm really hustling hard to try to get an agent so that somebody else can, a literary agent, so someone else can pick up that slack and, and pitch my stuff to a publisher and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Because self-publishing is difficult, and if you don't have thousands of dollars for for minimal marketing, even minimal marketing, it's tough. You know, I know how I can sell 10,000 copies of my, you know, my trilogy. You know, but to sell 10,000 copies of my trilogy is going to cost me $20,000. Now, it is cost effective because I get what about 8 bucks a book or something like that. Well, that makes sense. Mhm. But but the problem is, where do I get that 20,000 bucks? That's the big problem, you know. Even even, even robbing old people in downtown Chicago, it's still oh. going to take a long time, you know, because <laughs> You know, some of them are kind of tough. They work out. They're in better shape. You know, I'm getting tired. I'm old. I'm, you know, I'm a rocking chair on a porch away from being that guy, hollering people to get the hell off my lawn. So that's a lot of work. So I got to figure out some other way of doing it. And I, I'll tell you, the people who I, I have, and I admit being, I told you I admit being an elitist snob, but those people who look at the lottery as their retirement program, I don't know, man. I just, I, I have a hard time respecting that kind of thinking. You know, oh wow! It's like it's like it's like dumb poor people who support Republicans who only you know do the work of of the very very wealthy, but these poor people support them so that you know they can reserve their privilege for when they win the lottery. I I I just shake my head at that kind of thinking. I don't get it. Um, <laughs> If you were going to, okay, so there's the worst challenge for you, which is, which is the universal one, which is getting your name out there. Um, mm-hmm. do, you, do you travel at all? Do you go to conventions? Do you press the flesh? Do you meet other people who are in the like industry so at least you can, you can swap war stories and maybe get some ideas? Or, or have you not gotten to that point yet?
1: I've gone to a couple, uh, not as many as at like. Uh, but I mm-hmm. would like to show up at more conventions. Uh, given all the stuff that's happened in the last uh, year and a half, uh, Dragon Con will be the first convention in probably a good year and a half um, for me. So you're, I managed you're to be there? snag an art table. Uh-huh.
0: I, I'm actually, Jarvis actually talked me into going.
1: <laughs>
3: okay.
0: So, no, this, this is the first time I've I've gone to, you know, I will have gone to Dragon Con. Um, and
2: uh uh, i uh well not probably
0: you know here's the thing i've 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 interviewed people for five years and it's funny because i go to a, 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 a i've been to a few of these national conventions i haven't been to any of the black age conventions yet not even the ones here in chicago which is you know shame on me but it's funny because I end up going to these conventions and I run into people who I've interviewed and have never met. Otherwise, like Jarvis and I have never met face to face.
3: Oh, I've known him for six,
0: seven years. Yeah. So this will be, this will be interesting. And I guess there's supposed to be like 80,000 people going to dragon con. So that's not bad exposure for me. Um, so again, you know, a lot of what I do is in the service of at least getting my name out there and hopefully, you know, I'm I'm using the cult of personality. If people find me interesting, maybe they'll look and see what it is that I produce. They'll look at the books, the short stories and stuff that I do.
3: So mm-hmm. that's,
0: I mean, that's the best I'm going to do right now until I come up with that, that $20,000
2: for that New York Times book magazine ad, that full-page ad. So yeah, I you know, I I face the same
0: challenges that you do. Um I'm not going to say you know that I'm better at it or worse at it or anything else, but uh it's uh it, it's something it's something that we all have to figure out how to do.
2: I'll tell mm-hmm. you
0: though, you you look at things, that, some things that happen and you shake your head and you go there's just no justice. You know, look at look at the, the Mommy porn fifty shades of gray. You know, it's not uh-huh. very well written, but boy, she sold a bunch of those, didn't she? So
2: yeah.
0: that's uh, uh I,
2: I still cringe <laughs> at that. <laughs> Sorry.
3: I
0: I couldn't make it through the whole book. I started reading it and I said, This is just the grammar's horrible. The it's it, it's it's just a badly written book. But because it was so popular it, it it allowed, you know, housewives to read it and you know, they kinda got their little swerve on or whatever they want to
2: call it. I, I would love to have that kind of lightning strike me.
3: Yeah, we'll that'd what be nice, but uh, wow. yeah.
1: <laughs> but uh, one turn- of the things I've been looking at is also uh, I notice a lot of artists go to YouTube where they just do their tutorials and their how-tos or show their um, the steps they take in creating whatever piece or Comic or whatever it is they're working on, and because a lot of people are into being feeling like they're a part of the project
0: uh, I've seen right. a lot of
1: success there too <laughs> as well
0: yeah i every now and then I'll watch a friend of mine um, she'll she'll go live and she'll do a drawing, and you know it's fascinating to me because, like I said, I have no artistic skills at all. And mm-hmm. to watch how she makes something, you know, she creates something out of the whole cloth, that is so cool. So that's probably not a bad idea. Yeah.
3: Um,
0: so, I mean, there's a lot of ways to do it, but again, it's, it's catching fire that everybody's looking for.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: If you had to talk about people who, you, who influenced you, you know, other artists, other maybe comic creators who influenced you, I mean, other than the ones you spoke about on television, Um, Do you have any that you can think of to to tell the people who are listening, you know, maybe help
2: push you in a certain Mm -hmm.
0: direction?
1: Uh, The artist of now, I would say uh, there was a fellow called uh, Jason Brubaker. Uh, Mm -hmm. He uh, did a comic called V-Mind. And it was, he, he did something similar to what I would love to try, which is, he blogged about it and then did YouTube videos about his process. You know, he was new to doing his own webcomic, and then he wanted to print it, and I, he just let you in while he worked on the story. So you had a good little story, and then you also felt like you were involved in watching it hmm. evolve into, you know, a printed book. When he ran his Kickstarter, I, you know, put some money in it and I got uh, uh, it's a uh, two-volume book. I ended up getting both volumes when he was done with the series. Uh, mm-hmm. So he would be one. Um, there is, oh, gosh, what is her? Ay, ay, ay. I cannot think of her name. She has a YouTube channel. Um, oh, man, now I feel bad. Uh, there's another fellow called Ross. Uh, he does tutorials online as well. So I find I'm drawn to people that are um, don't mind helping you. Uh, If I could say that. Uh, They'll give their tutorials and this might be a a good way of using Photoshop or using this feature in Photoshop or if you're new to um, this kind of brush. Or they uh, don't mind sharing. And And I find I appreciate that. And then it's the fact that it's always entertaining to watch someone create something from nothing to the finished piece. Mm-hmm. So uh, those two would be the influencers for now, whose names that I uh, I can immediately recall. But um, gosh, over well, time, you, you know, you you you
0: have something like that that you could apply to that process, and and you could even annotate it since you have artwork and ideas that you have you've had since middle school.
3: Mm-hmm. I
0: don't know, um, middle school. Yeah, well, we don't have. Mm-hmm. That. Well, sometimes we have middle school, um, but you you have you have uh, substantiation, you have evidence, you have examples
2: of the evolution of your art going back to the very beginning, and that may be of
0: interest to people. You know, not not only that, but you know now now that you've done this, you know there are not a lot of people out there. Who know as much about you as you revealed in this in this interview? So linking to this interview also helps people figure out a little bit more about you too. So that that could help. I mean, it 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 it's so tough because you never know where the lightning's going to strike. That's the hard. That's
1: true. <laughs> you just kind of yeah. have to go out in all directions. <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, you mentioned going to
0: Dragon con are you going to any any others this year i think i'm gonna i'm I'm gonna try to make it to Worldcon and Dragon con. That'll be enough. Oh no, I guess I have to go to urban nerd con too um but i I don't you know i I can't afford to go to all of you know the ones that I want to go to um how do you pick and choose? Are you looking for coverage? Are you looking for patronage or um, what are what are kind of the decision makers for you?
1: oh well, Dragon Con will be the only one this year the because uh, it's a little expensive right now. <laughs> but um I do look at um uh I, I guess the theme of the convention. Uh, mm-hmm. because I went to the um it wasn't OnyxCon uh but it was also in Atlanta and it was by the same group. But uh, I like the fact that it was a comic book convention that was there to promote characters of color and comics and creators of color. So I look at that too. Uh it was a mm-hmm. smaller convention but I like the message. So it, it could be the message. It could be um the same of the convention. It could be I, I hesitate to say the size because once they get too big then it kinda gets a little too expensive or insane to try and get out there. Um or or you get lost in the shop. Yeah, true. True. So lately, I am looking at local areas. So the, well, you know, local for me would be the Florida, Georgia, um, South Carolina, around that area. Um, mm-hmm. Because finances are a big factor right now, but if that wasn't a issue, then I would definitely center more around the theme of the convention. I think that sure. would be my biggest draw.
3: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, and and then the cool thing is once you get there nobody's going to know you were from alabama just by talking to you so they, <laughs> you got you got that going for you <laughs> I,
3: was, I guess that's a plus
0: <laughs> well i don't i don't know you know maybe people have more of an affinity for for i don't you know i you never know about that um i i told this story once i'll tell it real quick i was uh i went to school in green bay which is really weird you know Southside Chicago guy going to school in Green Bay. And I learned how to speak like this to get on the radio, got a radio show, blah, 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 blah. blah. All right, so Thanksgiving's I didn't go home because I, I usually picked up people's shifts over the weekend, you know, the, the Thanksgiving weekend. So I would do a big turkey, and then I would have people over to my place who couldn't go home as well. Uh, flash forward to one Thanksgiving. I'm standing there uh, at my place, turkey's getting ready to come out of the oven. The phone rings, and it's a friend of mine from down here. And when I started talking to him, I, I talked to him the way I spoke down here, the way I grew up. And I wasn't looking at all these people behind me. There was like a dozen people behind me. And so I'm talking and, you know, I talked to him for five minutes. He called just to say, Happy Thanksgiving, when you coming home, blah, blah, blah. Then I hung up the phone and I turned around and everybody's looking at me like, what was that? And, and one guy said, who are you? And, and I oh, said, What do he says He says, well, who, who, who was that? I said, that was a friend of mine on the phone. And they said, well, why, how were you talking to him like that? And I laughed because then I got it. I said, well, that's that's how I talked when I grew up. And they said, so who is this that we're talking to now? I said, well, all right, I, you know, you guys are going to be real squirrely about it. If you go to France, isn't it just polite to try to speak some French <laughs> to the people mm-hmm. when you're over there? And they mm-hmm. said, Yeah, I said, Well you know and say, so they said, Oh, so you're you're just speaking our language now or you're speaking like a white guy now just so that you can get along a great way. I said, Well, uh, yeah, hi, yeah, okay, yeah, fine, yeah, yeah, all right, fine, fine, yeah, yeah, you're right. So that was that was amusing. Um but <laughs> anyway, I, I, I think that I think that the best way to present yourself is to just be I mean, you're you're the best salesperson for what you do. You know yeah. you're the best marketing pe- person for your creative universe, and you're the best marketing person for your characters um, so when when you go, you are the best representative to sell your works and sell people on the idea of your work. so it's always good to get out and press the flesh and and I think Dragon is going to be a good opportunity if if they do pull in you know like eighty thousand people. that is a lot of potential people that you wouldn't run into otherwise.
2: Mhm-. So so that, that'll that be plus, plus.
0: I get to meet a whole – I'm going to get to meet probably about a dozen people who I've interviewed and have never met, including Jarvis and Quasi and some other people who I see every week online. You know, I get to meet these people, which is like the coolest thing. And the best part for me, I've always said, is um, meeting people, interviewing people I never would have met otherwise. So if you're going to be there and I'm going to be there, chances are pretty good we're going to meet. So I'm really looking forward to that.
1: Oh, yeah, me too, me too.
0: <laughs> um, we are, we're kind of at the end of the show. Is there anything, any last thought you, that you have that you would like to to convey to the audience, you know, both the live audience and the people who picked this up as a podcast? Was so there anything that we didn't cover that you think
2: is important to cover? Oh, uh, well, wow,
1: wow. Not that I can immediately think of uh okay excited. no i mean people wanted to yeah. see more of the artwork they can just go to beverlytool.com or uh take a look at it from there yeah no
0: but i mean uh, first of all i want to thank you i mean this has been easy for me i hope it, it was okay for you did you have a good time
1: oh yeah this was a lot of fun
0: okay thank you thank well, that's, you that's that's good and you know uh, you never know. Jarvis may hit you up and say, hey, what have you been doing lately, you know, some some years down the road or whatever. So I try to make it as good a, an experience as possible so that we can get people to come back. Um, I, I had a good time. You made it easy for me. I've had a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> Jarvis is not going to be here to close out the show, so what I will do is... Let me do what he does. Hang on for a minute after the show, just okay. in case anybody has any last-minute questions. Is that okay?
3: Yeah, that's fine.
0: Okay. I want to thank everybody who listens to the show live, the people who support uh, who support BlackScienceFictionSociety.com and this radio show. Um, I also want to thank the people who picked this up as a podcast for those who actually have a life and could do something on Friday nights, unlike me with the ankle bracelet. So um to all of you out there who support uh, blacksciencefictionsociety.com thank you for your continued support thank you for your love thank you for your well wishes um, i hope to see you all next week and one last thank you to you you know for for actually sharing your time with us you know beverly it's nice to have you here for those of you who want to check her out beverly where's the best place where they can look you up you mentioned that your website is Beverlytool.com. Uh, I'm
1: sorry. Uh, Beverlytool.com.
0: Okay, that's Beverlytool.com, and that's tool with an e. And
1: mm-hmm. you
0: could check out her works and uh, actually get a preview of. Uh, it's it's more than a preview. You can actually get a get the uh, your first comic right, and then once you take a look at it and you decide it's great, then go ahead and buy it. Have I got that right? Yes,
3: please. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <please. laughs> Okay.
0: All right. So uh, here, oh, somebody asked, where's the link to her work? Because just saying it wasn't good enough.
2: Oh, I think I can. can
1: oh, I got it. it. Okay. I got
2: it. No, no, no. You know, where there's a William, there's a way. Is it <laughs> www.
1: Uh, well, you can just put in beverlytools.com. Oh, okay.
0: All right. <laughs> I did type it in there, beverlytools.com. And, uh, yeah, check out her work and support her because uh, we need to to support each other. You know, we want to create and maintain a network of really, really good content creators through BlackScienceFictionSociety.com. So on behalf of Jarvis, who is away doing some other stuff, thanks, everybody. And we will see
2: you again next week with another great show. Thank you very much, Beverly. Thank you. Thank you for having me. hmm